What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Uh, Pretty much took the weekend off. I'm sure you did as well. So, energized, I guess, to be back at it for another week. Energized for a full week is what I'd like to say, too. We're, We're back full strength here. A lot to talk about, Derek. College basketball, Kentucky basketball season's right around the quarter. Uh, corner here two two weeks from Wednesday, I think, is the first game. And they'll play four games in less than a week, according if the Kansas game ends up being scheduled for December 1st. Uh, but let's start with this on the football side of things because we just now wrapped up Mark Stoops' uh, weekly press conference. And Terry Wilson is on the depth chart. I know that was something that we were keeping our eye on with some, you know, some things that had happened and developed over the last two weeks. And then Quentin Bohanna has also returned to the depth chart too, Derek. So it looks like Kentucky uh, is at full strength at a couple of key positions there. And then I, I guess right now it's kind of just a toss-up of what we'll see and who we'll see at quarterback Saturday because we have no idea who it's going to be. Yeah, that's a really curious situation to keep track of. We're going to talk about Stoops' presser a little bit today. So if you're listening to this, I would I would encourage you to go listen to what Mark had to say because you'll get some better context because there are at least a couple of talking points I want to have that are pretty much directly from um, what he said. But, Sean, I thought it was really interesting um, just kind of how unsure he seems to be in, in regards to quarterback because he says he wants to do right by Terry. He wants – and this is, you know, he says he wants to play the guy who gives him the best chance to win this week. He did not say who that might be, but we do know Terry's still in the mix. Joey's there. He continues to mention Bo Allen. So, Sean, kind of where I am on all this is it's, it's kind of amusing to me, honestly, to this point in the season where there are four games left and they're basically guaranteed to have a losing record yet. We're going into game, uh, what, seven, not knowing who the QB is going to be. The way I see this thing going, and then I'd love your input, like basically – I'm to the point now where you either just start Terry the rest of the season and just say to hell with everything else, or you don't play him at all. <laughs> and then you truly give Joey or Bo a chance. Because as it is, and Mark wants to keep saying that, you know, you know, he wants to be fair, you know, he wants to see Joey, he wants to see Bo. Well, you, you can't play all three of these guys. So something's going to have to give. And it's about time that I think he decides. And he, maybe he already has it in his mind. He's just, you know, doing the media game where he doesn't really know. But I'm, I'm just kind of the point where it's just, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's strange. It is very strange, and I, I will say this. Uh, you're not playing for anything the rest of the season. The only thing you're playing for now is next season. And if you decide to go with Terry, then you've wasted four games, in my opinion, to develop somebody for next year. Uh, no offense to Terry or anything. I mean, Terry had his opportunities. Uh, I just think it's time to look to the future, Derek. And I, and I think that the whole you know do right by Terry thing is – 
I think it's kind of a weird situation you're coming from. You know that that side was upset after Missouri and how some things went down there. Uh, we heard some speculation and things with that, with you know the opting out and everything and the frustration there. So it, when you're playing Terry, are you playing Terry just to keep everyone happy, or are you playing Terry because he's the best guy that gives you a chance to win right now? I just that's what I couldn't kind of. It wasn't cut or dry to me. Like I couldn't tell exactly what Stoops was trying to say. Uh, I just think that four games, you're two and four. Two of those games are probably losses, Alabama and Florida, and the other two, I think that they will win both of those. It's for next year, right? Like if you're wanting to have any kind of shot to do anything next year, don't you just go ahead and try to groom one of these two for next season? Where I sit on the thing with Joey was. Did he like the world on fire against Georgia? No. But at the same time, I didn't – if you can do what he did against Georgia, which, granted, it wasn't a ton, but it wasn't awful, I don't understand why you wouldn't play him against Vanderbilt and give him a chance against a defense or near as good. Um, although, I guess twice this year, though, Georgia's defense hasn't looked quite as good as it's labeled uh, last Saturday and then the time uh, against Alabama before that. But, no, I'm with you. Uh, mentioning Bo Allen, I don't know if he's just doing that to just – keep Bo, I don't know, in the mix. I genuinely think he does want to see him, but if you're going to play Terry, then you're going to limit his chances, whereas in my opinion, and I agree with you, if you play Joey, it's much more realistic to get Bo some reps as a backup quarterback. But I've said this before, and it's maybe a weird statement, but I think I can explain it. Like I think Terry is one of the most overrated players at UK who isn't actually that bad of a player. And what I mean by that is – whether it's from the coaching staff or the fans, like he has been tabbed because he was a starting quarterback on the team that went 10 and three. I feel like his leash has just been incredibly long. And even in a year like this, where we've talked about, they have nothing left to play for. He continues to be in the mix as someone who might be playing. That's why I'm sitting here saying, okay, if that's what if you truly just cannot move on from him, if you really think Bo might be the guy for the future and you're hesitant to see what Joey can do, which is my speculation, then just play Terry the rest of the year, and let's stop this dumb stuff about just talking about three guys because it's it's honestly starting to get my nerves at this point <laughs> as to how they're handling this. Well, and to, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, are, are they? Is he throwing Bo's name out there for recruiting purposes? Like you know, Maybe. because because I think that they're you and I have both agree that they're definitely pitching Bo Allen as the future and what Bo can do with his arm to these wide receivers. Is that is that just one of those things where they keep throwing his name out there? With signing day seven weeks away? From what I've heard, he is the guy that they're pitching to recruits. It's not Joey, it's it's Bo. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. that's the guy, that's why you're recruiting the, the Christian Lewises and all those guys at wide receivers. Somebody can get the ball to them. But then, too, Derek, he's saying do right by Terry. When is When are we going to say do right by Joey? Because yeah. it's not like that Joey's had like a fair, realistic shot to do anything. I mean, he got a couple of drives at Missouri, and then it was Terry to start the second half. And then last year they put him in, or last week they put him against the defense in Georgia. That I don't know. Like that's the thing too. Like I think you want to do right by all of them, but at some point you have to do right by the program and what you're doing moving forward. And that's the decision he has to make. And look, next year, as soon as that South Carolina game's over, none of this matters. It all matters for what you're doing next year. And I just look at it, you've got to go in a year where nothing matters, nothing counts right now really. I mean, it's pretty much throwaway at this point. You get all eligibility 
If anybody wants to retain it, it's back. Terry's already said that he's moving on after the series. He said that on this show yep. in August. I think you got to go with one of the other two. Well, I'll drop something else here from what I've heard. I've heard it from multiple places is that there is at least one. Um, basically, the way I'll say it, there is a a feeling among some people that they should just go ahead and go to Bo now, regardless. Um, which would be I wouldn't do that, but I can. And this is from people on the team who feel this way that on the offense who think they should go to Bo now. Where it gets tricky is once this one-time transfer rule passes, you don't want to be in a spot where if you go with Bo, it becomes obvious to Joey that he's not going to have much of a shot next year. And then you end up in a spot where either like Nick Scalzo or um, I guess his name's Kaya Sharon. I don't really know how to say his name. The kid from Somerset who they have committed. You're either going to be in that spot or you're going to have to go out and get a grad transfer similar to someone like how Sawyer Smith was. And then you're an injury, away from, yeah, then you're an injury away from last year again. Because then you're in a bad spot. Maybe that happens anyway, but part of me thinks they might just kind of drag that Kiwi battle into the fall next year if they can, just to just to keep Joey and, and Bo and that around. Sounds, that sounds awful, but there, yeah. you're, you have to have some kind of yeah. stability there. You've got to have something to fall back on. Uh, I don't. I just feel like Derek that the quarterback room is just it's a mess right now, just because I don't think they all. It is and. I just don't think they've been able to commit to anything, honestly. I just don't think that they know. I think that they get caught up with this whole, and we've seen this. I know we've said this name multiple times, and we're not hammering the kid. We, he helps in ways, but we've seen it in the backfield with A.J. Rose. There's a stubbornness to turn the keys over to somebody else, and I don't know why they have that. It's always been with the veterans and stuff that they just they feel like, like the leash is so long with some of these guys that it just doesn't make sense. If this were Nick Saban, Alabama, the, probably, the leash would probably be about this long, maybe an inch long with some people. Like, it's just it's time to move on to some people. I would guess the ideal they had a quarterback coming into this year is that Terry was going to be just the guy throughout, and they wouldn't have to worry about the – like, when Skate got eligible, I'd assume he would have been the backup, but never in a spot where they wanted to play him real reps like they had to against Georgia. But now I'm to the point where I'm with you. Like, if you go back to Terry this week, then I, I just don't know that Joey did anything that last game to not get to play. And it's it's the record is the biggest thing. If Kentucky was 4-2, and two, then, yeah, it would make all sense in the world if you're still competing um, to go with the older guy if you think he really gives you the best chance. But do, do you have a prediction as to who you see Saturday playing quarterback? Oh, man. it It's going to be Terry. I just I think I think Terry's going to be the quarterback Saturday. I do. I, I fully think expect Terry to be the quarterback. The only way Terry's not the quarterback Saturday is if Terry says he doesn't want to be the quarterback Saturday. That's what I think. And oh, would you what view about that you? as a mistake? I would. I, I, I would view be, that as. I would view that as a mistake. Uh, and that's no knock on Terry. I honestly I don't think that we didn't see Joey do anything different than what Terry did. But at the same right. time, it's the what you have left in the tank type of thing. Is You have four games left at Kentucky. Joey has three years if he chooses to retain this. So there's he has the benefit of time that Terry doesn't. It would be the same situation three years ago when Terry walked in here as a sophomore. I would if, if Terry were the sophomore right now, I would say play Terry. But I'm saying play the guys that are younger because those are the guys that you're going to have to build around next year. If you waste these next four games and don't have any chemistry, you're going to the next season with the same mess at quarterback that you're going that you have right now. 
I think everything you said is logical, and I agree with it. I guess the counter side to that is if you're Mark Stoops and you're looking at the schedule coming up, do you have more confidence? It's a bad offense regardless, but do you have more confidence with a guy like Terry Wilson who's been here three years going to Alabama and going to Florida? Well, can I give so you the, the, my I'm counter to, to that? I'm trying to, well, I'm trying to look at it from their perspective because if you're a coach and you want to give the idea that you're playing to win, then I can kind of get the logic there. That's why I'm saying if you're going to go back to Terry this game, just stay with them the rest of the year. And just well, here, here's it. here's my thing. Uh, they're going two and two at best, regardless if it's Terry Wilson, right. Billy Gatewood, Bo Allen, or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. They're going two and two at best in those final four games. Uh, so you're pretty much essentially throwing out record. Like what I want to see Saturday. Here, here would be my perfect thing Saturday. Joey Gatewood starts. They build a big lead, and then you see Bo Allen for two series or, or or something in the fourth quarter because they have a big enough lead. And then you go to Alabama, and you kind of figure out when the bullets start flying, what's your quarterback situation going to look like? Is there a guy that steps up and makes some throws or makes some plays in those two games against Alabama Florida? And then you come back at the end, and you kind of see who puts a stamp on this thing, like who takes charge of it against a, a bad South Carolina team. I mean, we're seeing that now. South Carolina's not good. I mean, we know that. That's a game that they should win at home to close the year. And then you're kind of feeling maybe a little bit better about where you're going into 2021. In the circumstance that Terry did start, would you be in the same boat that I am, that you would just play him the rest of the year? Because I feel like the worst thing they could do is play Terry and Joey. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, if Terry has a a bad series or two against Vanderbilt, are you going to yank him again and go to somebody else? Because now what you've done is you've wasted three weeks and you're in the same situation you were when you were at Missouri. Which then I'm starting to question the brains on the coaching staff of what exactly that they're doing with this. And that's not like, it's not trying to, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to be like, you, you have to make the tough decisions. That's why you get paid so much money. And it's a tough decision to make. And sometimes you have to do the thing that's not popular with, with a certain player. But then again, you have to do the thing that's popular in the locker room. And right now, I think that honestly, I think this offense just needs something new. And if it's not going to be a new offensive coordinator, you got to figure it out with what you got on staff, or with what you got on roster. Sorry, not staff. Yeah, well, it's easier said than done. Uh, said for me, I don't have an emotional attachment to those guys over there. I've not invested. You know, with a guy like Terry Wilson, they recruited him a few years ago. They've invested a lot. Uh, but if it was my call, I would I would go with Joey this weekend for the rest of the year and mix Bo in there as well. I mean, looking at the schedule, the best chance to play Bo Allen you would think would be this game, right? I mean, you could play him at Alabama or Florida, but it would be in a situation that basically, even for this weekend, you're probably only going to see him in a blowout either way. Either you're winning a blowout this weekend, and then you're probably going to be getting blown out at Alabama or at Florida. So that's what you would see. Here's the thing that I don't want to see happen, and this this wouldn't be fair to Terry, in my opinion, is that you play Joey this week, you know, Terry's still there as the backup. He'll play probably against Vandy if he is the backup, in my opinion, because I think that they will beat Vandy by three to three to five scores. I just think that they can run the football and kind of impose their will. Here's what I don't want to see, is I don't want to see Alabama-Florida come down and you just throw Terry in there and just let him get beat to death and it just be kind of his thing to do. I want to see, like you said, if they go to Terry this week, finish the season with Terry, you've committed to it, do not change it. Let him play. But if you go to Joey, I don't want to see them go back to Terry, if that makes sense. Just because I just feel like if you're making whoever you commit to this week, you commit. 
Yeah. You know, I, I, both feet yeah. in the water, not one toe in the water. Commit to it. I agree with you there. Um, I think we've pretty much addressed that pretty well. A couple other things, Sean. Uh, Stoop said today they have three offensive staffers out, and I, I took that to mean it was the, the paid position coaches um, that are out with basically COVID guidelines or whatever. So you're down some guys there with COVID. He said that it's an issue with the team, but it's not an outbreak. So we do know that there are some, I would assume, some positive tests have happened um, with, with the team. But not to the point where, you know, the game's not in jeopardy. But I, I was the, – the, what I wanted to ask you was how much – for these teams that are – and it's it's a lot of teams now that are starting to get into, like, a situation similar to Kentucky that you've only won two games this year or whatever. It's kind of the – you know, how excited you were to start the season and how dedicated they probably were to following those guidelines. Do you think teams might start to become a little bit lax in that regard whenever they're not having the kind of season that they want to? Yeah, because it's you're managing it to play and to stay healthy and to have the best chance to win. But now you're at a point where, like you said, teams are kind of looking up and they're two and four or, or one and five or at some point, and then you you let up one time and then you're you could have just a complete just takeover of COVID cases. And then what's the point? Like, are are these games going to be made up if it's Kentucky and Vandy? If it gets postponed, what's the point in making that game up? Like it's not going to impact anything to do with the SEC race, so you may even lose games. And I'm I'm to the point that I think some of these coaches wouldn't care if they lost a game or two. Like some of these teams that are bad in the SEC, not saying that Mark Stoops is at that point because I feel like Kentucky has a ton to play for because they're playing for next year. Uh, two, Derek, uh, offensive line too. You would love to be able to get some of these younger guys some reps Saturday against Vandy that you're going to have to see play next year because they're going to lose a lot of these guys to the NFL and to graduation. Yeah. And, you know, from what Stoops said today, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know Luke Fortner got hurt against Georgia. Was was Kenneth Horsey also hurt as well? Because he said there were a couple uh, of guys who might be there on this week. I can't remember if he was hurt or not. I know Fortner for sure. Fortner I remember that. Hurt. Yeah. So it sounds like some of those guys, whoever it is, Fortner I'm sure is included, but then again maybe one more offensive lineman. It sounds like they're they're going to be game time decisions. So you might end up getting some other guys like Quentin Wilson um, in the mix anyway this week just out of necessity because of some injuries. So you would think this would be the week to do it. Vanderbilt's the only team in the SEC that has not won a game yet. Um, they've had a they've actually had a couple of close calls against A&M. They only lost by five, and then against uh, Mississippi State on Saturday they only lost by seven, but their other three games, they lost by a combined or by an average of 33 points. So it's not a good team. Obviously, it's the worst team in the league. This would be the game that you would want to ease somebody in if you had to, if they were going to have to play some meaningful reps against Alabama the following week. But I don't know, Sean, just the vibe I got, and this is why I wanted people to watch Stoops' presser if they haven't already, is I just – he just seemed kind of kind of worn down to me. I don't know. It just but, seems like I mean it's it's a tough season. He talked about you know you have your you have some of your coaches out. It's a year where it's just different and it's tough when you're losing anyway. And um, well, I just can I, can I say can I say this? And I, I don't think you and I have talked about this. And and maybe it's just me, but it's even I can't imagine how drained these coaches are. And these yeah. players with everything that they've had to deal with on top of just preparing to play football. Uh, Derek, even on my front, I'll tell you this, uh, I've not even, I've not traveled 
since Tennessee. Or technically, I've only traveled once this year, and that was Auburn. I still like these Saturday, like this past Saturday, this bye week. I literally just relaxed and just took a deep breath because I was kind of, you know, worn down. And I'm not even running practice five or six days a week. It's just, uh, I think it's just a mental thing yeah. of how much it's how it's it's been weird, Derek. It, it, college football has been on the TV, but it still doesn't feel normal to me, if that makes sense. Just because it just feels so off. Like the schedule's been off. Teams starting seasons when they do. I, it just it's. I'm glad that we've had college football. I'm glad that we've made it this far. It looks like we're going to finish it. But I don't know. Do you have some mental exhaustion too with just how kind of up in the air everything's been and just how back and forth, you know, highs and lows? I mean, we cover we cover these teams, but we kind of we feel the emotional roller coaster that they go on as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like what I was saying earlier is that, you know, they're in a spot where any team right now that's struggling – it's just got to be tougher to tougher to follow those protocols that are pretty strict, very strict protocols. Um, you know, and they've, they just, when the season's not gone, how it was planned, they've lost some tough games. Your offense has really struggled. I just think it's not that surprising. This build up that is leading to this. And I don't, you know, Stoop still said today that they're, he still believes in this team, things like that. But I think it's perfectly human to take into account everything we've talked about the big factor being COVID as well. And then you're looking at the schedule, what you have left. And unlike some other years, UK has been playing here lately. You know, nobody feels good about going to play Alabama right now. Nobody feels good about going to play Florida. And it's just going to be a, you know, a tough thing. And, um, you know, maybe it may be a good win this weekend. Uh, you know, some potential there. If they show some things on offense, perhaps that'll get people fired up again. But I do think in terms of fan interest this year, just from everything that I've read, I think this is definitely – and it makes sense coming off of a bye week. But um, I don't know. It just feels like maybe Vanderbilt wasn't the best opponent, I guess, coming off of – maybe it is in some ways because you're probably going to get a win. But in terms of, like, interest, I, I've got to say, judging by the numbers of the stories I'll write this week, this will probably be the fewest people who really care what? at this point. Well, that's that, that's what I'm about to say, too. Uh, what's the crowd look like Saturday when they play Vandy? I mean... Weather's supposed to be nice, so... It is supposed know. to be nice. And honestly, I, I mean, I just... They should beat Vandy. I just hope it's one of those games where they kind of just take care of business and it's not like an ugly 10-7 to game or 14-10 game or something. I think the fans need to see some type of excitement offensively, uh, even if it comes in the form of Chris Rodriguez just running away from everybody. So they yeah, just so they what just do need you think to see. The game plan should be? Do you think they should come out and try to be a passing team, or because in my opinion, you could probably just line up and run the ball against Vanderbilt all night and probably beat them pretty easily. I, I honestly think that you come out and you run it early, you try to get a lead, and then you experiment some, and you yeah, try to throw right. the ball. I think this defense is good enough, Derek, that they win the game alone on their de- on the defensive side. It wouldn't surprise me if the defense makes a couple of plays uh, to win the game, but. I think you have to experiment and do something. And two, before we move into basketball, Kentucky and Alabama will kick off at 4 p.m. on the SEC network that day. Alabama gets the 4 p.m. SEC slot. Derek, how often does that happen? I don't know, but that's going to be the eighth straight game Kentucky's on SEC network this year. <laughs> Every single game so far this year has been on the SEC network. So, And you might as well just go uh, ahead and factor in probably the one against South Carolina will be network too. Think that'll get the noon game? Might get the night game, Maybe. depending on I'm who. I'm thinking Florida is probably a night game, right? I think so. I think Florida will be a night game, probably on the network. But if Florida's as good as what you know they've been, 
and they might even get a national TV spot, spot for that game. That's true. So yeah. it could get an ESPN game for sure. Well, they're, in the, I mean, they're the front runner now in the East, right? So. They are. Uh, Florida's winning the East. I don't see that that changing at any point. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if Florida can shock the West in the SEC title game. I mean, that offense, that offense that is fun. fun to watch, and the defense to me, it it has it, it's getting better. It has enough uh, potential on that side of the ball. Uh, I don't know. Just been a weird Kentucky football season for sure. The one thing that's not weird, Derek, is the Butcher's Pub, though. Two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Uh, get out to the pub this week, watch Kentucky Vandy. There's a lot going on. Watch college football Saturday. College basketball is right around the corner, so you make it out to, pu- to the pub to watch Kentucky basketball. As soon as we uh, get TV networks and times and all that, we'll pass that information along. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook for more daily specials. Uh, Derek, John Calipari, I think he's kind of smiling right now when the AP poll came out this morning because his team's at number 10, which I honestly think is a fair spot. And I think Cal would actually prefer that over where they usually are in the top three because it gives his team something to work for. It gives them a spot to where they don't have to live up to the hype of a number one, number two ranking like they often have with new faces every single year. I think it's the perfect spot for his team. Yeah, it almost seems too like this is one of the few times that, I mean, I think you can remember those early Cal Perry days, how much of the benefit of the doubt Kentucky got. I mean, I think the year after they went to the NIT, they brought back a few players, but they had the number one class that was one of the best ever. And I think they started the year number one, right? <laughs> so uh, that was something seven, six, six, seven years ago, something like that, where they would be ranked that high. Now, once again, brought in the number one class, brought in probably the best transfer uh, on the market last year, yet they end up number 10 this year. So I agree with you. I think it's a good spot for them. Um, some really interesting names at the top of that list, Sean. Just kind of shows you how much college basketball's kind of changed. I mean, Gonzaga, Baylor, those teams Iowa. being Iowa's the top five team. Virginia, I know Virginia won the national title, but it's still weird to me for them to be like a kind of a powerhouse basketball program now. It's just kind of odd. But, you know, you do get Villanova up there. They've won two titles here in the last few years. But, you know, teams like Wisconsin, Illinois, I mean, you got Duke and Kentucky here in the back end of the of the top ten. And then teams like North Carolina are kind of in the teens and, just, just kind of different now. It, it is, it is, and uh, Illinois is a team that I, I'd like to, to watch. That's a team that I think that could, uh, could make a deep run in March when it comes down to it. Uh, I'm trying to see. Don't who do they play? Do they, have they announced any of the games for the ACC Big Ten Challenge? Have they announced those dates? That I don't know. Because I was want, I don't know why I want to think that they play Duke this season, at some point. Maybe. That might be their game. I'll, I'll try to look it up in a second. But I think that Kentucky's in a good spot. I think that's a really good spot for them. We know they're going to play Kansas at some point, Derek. We we have no idea where that location is going to be. That thing has changed so many times on ESPN's site. Uh, it's changed on UK's site as well. Like last week it showed, uh, you know, Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas being the place. And this morning it showed the United Center, which was the original place, scheduled for the Champions Classic. Uh, Indianapolis has been thrown out there. We have no idea where that game is going to be played, but we do know that it will be played. And if it is December 1st, Derek, Kentucky plays four games Wednesday through Tuesday. That's a tough stretch. I mean, three of them are at home, but then you get to play Kansas. I mean, it's kind of like that the normal schedule early in the season where they'd play the Friday, Sunday, and then the Champions Classic on yeah. Tuesday. So, I mean, it's not too weird. 
but Kentucky basketball is right around the corner. And honestly, Derek, I think this fan base is kind of ready for Kentucky basketball. I think so, too. I'll tell you something crazy. I saw a tweet from a Tennessee rider that said Tennessee and Wisconsin, which Wisconsin's ranked number seven. Those two teams would have been playing two days from now. So it's just crazy how, you know, it would have been starting. For, you know, the, the big games had things been normal. And here we are 13 days play out. Duke. Okay, playing. Illinois Do does Illinois does play Duke. Okay. Well, that's a in the ACC Big there. Ten Challenge. And I'm telling you, I like Illinois. I like uh, I like I like what they had last season. I thought that was a team that they could have made some noise, and uh, I really like what they have this season too. So I I wasn't surprised to see them in the top ten. Some people probably were. Uh, Kofi Coburn, just a big time mismatch inside uh, with that roster. I think that's a guy that you could see have a big season in the Big Ten. But I, honestly, I'm excited for college basketball. Three teams from the Big Ten in the top ten: Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois. So you know you got the SEC. It's only Kentucky and Tennessee. I think LSU is one of the teams that received the most votes outside. But so, are you projecting kind of a down year for the league? For the for for the SEC? Yeah. Well, I think what's going to happen is I think the middle of the pack is going to beat up on one another to the extent that it looks down. But I think that you could see, and then too, it's going to be so hard to to gauge how you know resumes work this season. Like if you don't do something in the non-conference play, if you're one of those Arkansas or one of those you know mid-tier SEC teams that are trying to be a top four team, how do you view that resume? Like if you don't defeat Kentucky or Tennessee in league play, but then you don't have anything to show for in conference or in non-conference. I think that's the key for those teams: is how does the SEC perform in their non-conference matchups, especially the SEC? Because here's the thing, Derek: the SEC Big Twelve Challenge has a lot of weight every year when it comes to tournament and things. How did and I think this year it has to hold even more weight because we don't get to see these teams out of conference a lot. Yeah, I mean, for, if you're looking at UK, you have what Kansas and Texas, and then I guess Louisville, but Louisville's just ravaged by injuries right now that I don't even know where they'll be when it comes time to play Kentucky. I mean, in a 27-game schedule, you know, you got, what, 18 out of your 27 games, so something like 33% then of your – or more of your season is going to be – what's the math on that? 18 divided by 27. <laughs> Darren was trying to do math right here. Is it 66% is what it'll be? Uh, I think it would be, yeah. It would 18 be. 18 divided by 27, so that's what you're, it's going to be. I mean, I think it's 6 out of 9. goes down to 33 66%. <laughs> so, yeah. It is. 66%. So, 66% of your game. Two-thirds of it. Yeah, well, I was trying to say it was 33% non-conference. So, I mean, almost all of your weight is going to be on the conference this year. So, it's good for, you know, Big Ten teams that you're going to have a lot of opportunities to play good teams. Whereas, yeah, if you're looking at the rankings for for – the SEC, I mean, how bad is it going to hurt UK every time it loses a game, you know? So well, that, that's the thing that you have to look at. And I think that's why you have to take care of business um, against these teams. I mean, you, you can essentially put yourself in a good position to earn a high seed if you have a good non-conference resume. And two, I think Kentucky did a really good job, Derek. I, I know we kind of were hard on their home schedule, like we were kind of harsh about with some of the matchups. But when you look at Texas – and that's kind of predetermined, you know, through the challenge, through the th- through the two conferences and everything. But then you look at Kansas and, and the Louisville, uh, like you said, it, that Louisville matchup is going to look at it differently. Like if Kentucky wins that game and Louisville's without two of their better players, then I don't know how that win is viewed when it comes down to selection Sunday. Yeah, but it's also one of those things, if you do lose it, then it kind of hurts you more than what it would help you. So just given who the roster 
and everything's on that's that's on there. Uh, we don't know a lot about Notre Dame and UCLA and what those two teams will be, but you're kind of going off of uh, name there, and you're hoping that they're good enough to help your resume if you get those wins. Uh, but I mean, basketball's right around the corner here. I'll ask you this: Are you surprised that Tennessee was 12? Did you think that maybe Rick Barnes' team could have been higher in the AP poll, given all that they have coming back? and the class that they have coming in. I mean, Fulkerson, you have to think, is going to be in the running for SEC Player of the Year. Pons is back. I mean, they have a, they have a lot of guys back to add to really good freshmen coming in. Or do you think that it's just one of those things where we haven't got to see Rick Barnes really do this with this type of talent? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I think they're I think it's about right in the range that they're in. Um, it, it did seem like as soon as Sar got cleared, pretty much everybody – had Kentucky above Tennessee. Um, I'd be fine with either of those teams being picked to win the SEC, honestly. I could see the case for t- – probably the biggest case. I mean, we mentioned all the stuff that Tennessee has coming back and then what they're bringing in. I guess the flip side is the, what didn't make it a slam dunk for Tennessee is that they really weren't that good last year. Didn't they have a losing record or right around a 500 record? Um, so they weren't – You know, That's true. I, I agree. They do have good players coming back. I mean, Fulkerson's – if you watch that kid at Rupp Arena, like he's legitimately a good well, player, no matter how kind of funky a, and kind of how he goes about it. That's a good point. They weren't that good last year. Uh, I think the in my mind they beat Kentucky. Kentucky blew that game late in the season. I think yeah. that's on the back of my mind a little bit. But you're right. They, they weren't but that no, good. So I, I it makes sense. Awesome, I do yeah. too. Like I just yeah. felt like that they were just missing experience and mm-hmm. some star power. And it feels like that we know they have experience, and now it just it becomes – you know, what does Rick Barnes do with all the talent that he has? This is a spot, though, Derek, that that Barnes has not performed very well in in his career where he's had a lot of talent. Uh, at Texas, it kind of got the best of him. I mean, he had Kevin Durant and couldn't get past the second round of the NCAA tournament. So I think that's the thing that you have to watch. Uh, we also, too, you can say this. I think his two teams he had at Tennessee recently underachieved in the NCAA tournament with uh, Grant Williams and, and Schofield and all those guys. So th- I think that's another thing you have to look at until Tennessee does it. I'm probably not going to pick them to get to the Final Four, but they certainly have the talent to be in the conversation for a final weekend of the of the season. Yeah, they're they're intriguing for sure. Um, it apply, a lot of that are probably you know the development. The Scoby got there late mid season. The other kid, I forget his name, they got him eligible from Arizona State. He didn't. He was a big man. Uh, he didn't play a whole yeah. lot last. The seven footer, but you know you brought in two five-star guys in the backcourt to go along with a guy who was a five-star previously and Josiah Jordan-James. So, like, I can absolutely understand people being pretty excited about this Tennessee team, but it, I don't think it's a slam dunk. So that's why I think being around number 12, I think that's a pretty good spot for them. And, I mean, to that regard, you know, Kentucky being ranked higher, I do think, again, that's just kind of the benefit of the doubt because you get two five-star top ten kids coming in there. You get Sar. Um I guess this would be a good transition point, Sean, talking about Jimmy Dykes. I believe that's what we're going to get to, a guy who got to watch UK's practice, and it sounds like from another guy, Isaiah Jackson, is just kind of outperforming everybody. He is, and I I haven't even told you this yet. Uh, Jimmy's actually going to be on Kentucky Daily next week. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so like I hadn't even said, I hadn't even told you this. I meant to tell you that yesterday. So I talked to Jimmy on Sunday, and I was, you know, just kind of filling out what he saw, and he, he told me some things, and and everything, and he was just talking, you know, that this team has potential to be very elite defensively and on the glass, which is what he put out on his on his tweet, that that will carry them in the early part of the season. Uh, but then Isaiah Jackson, 
Uh, Derek, he, he had a lot to say about Isaiah Jackson. I'm not going to say anything that he said because I'm going to let Jimmy say it next week. But I think it's kind of to the point, Derek. You know, Keon Brooks has missed some time here in the preseason. Is Isaiah Jackson going to start when Kentucky plays on the 25th? Or He's will he start at some point this season? I, I'm honestly, I'm making a bold prediction right now. He will be one of the top three players on this team by the time they get to March. From everything that I've heard, I think he will be top three, and I think that I think this might be his only season at Kentucky. Yeah, like I'm, I mean, I'm I'm going that far with it. He's a first round pick. I want to see him first, but you know it's it's hard to ignore. I mean, every coach we've got to talk to for the preseason stuff has kind of talked about Cal said he can do more than they thought he could, which you know what Cal says, you kind of take it for what it's worth, but just because he's always saying so many things. But when you get Jimmy Dykes in there, you get some of these other assistants talking about how good Isaiah's been. And then you you just know a, a kid under Cal who can play defense and block shots the way Isaiah can, he's going to play a lot. So I think you're kind of – I mean, I, I agree with you. I could see, again, with Keon missing time, if he is the sixth man to start the year, it's at least a spot he's comfortable with because he basically did it all last season, came off the bench anyway. So – I, again, you know, with basketball, I mean, you certainly know this well. I mean, it doesn't really matter who starts, but at the same time, you know, you got to find that kind of rotation. If Isaiah is blocking shots and doing things like that, um, if he has any kind of offensive game that can help you, then yeah, he's going to be really hard to keep off the floor. I was told that at first we thought we were, that they were going to have to play him and Sar opposite, you know, one another not in the lineup together. I was told yesterday that I, I think that you're going to see that lineup a lot that actually it may even push Keon to the three at times. Like they those two can play together from everything that I was told. Uh, I was told that Isaiah shoots it better from 15 feet than they thought he did, which, you know, is another weapon too, especially from that if he plays the four. But he also has the athletic ability to play the five if Sar is not in the game. I think that's what makes him the the guy. Out of, and we talked about this, you know, out of Jackson and and Ware and those other guys, who kind of emerges to be the other guy? And I think it's going to be him. Uh, I'm I'm straight for it to happen now because we've been talking about this even longer than normal. Obviously for basketball because it'd be starting right around now. They already would have played some exhibition games by now. Yeah, certainly a blue white game, things like that. We would have hell, we would have seen Big Blue Manus almost a month ago had it been normal. And we're still to the point. I'm not seeing any kind of really tape on these guys. So. He's the guy that's gonna. He's the guy that's gonna absolutely blow, blow out, blow this whole pro day thing out of the water uh, when we watch it later this week. I think there's gonna be two guys that stand out when it comes to measurements. One of them will be Jackson. The other will be Jacob Toppin. But mm-hmm. when it comes to on court play that matches with measurements, it's gonna be the guards, Clark and, and Boston and Jackson. Those are going to be the guys that I think that we're gonna leave when we see measurements and what they do on the floor. I think we're gonna be sitting here thinking, okay. Maybe this team might be elite if if those three live up to what they're billing to be in the preseason. But Jimmy did tell me this, and he did tweet it: the point guard is going to the point guard position is going to be what either Kentucky rises to the top or kind of just stays uh, really good. What what separates Kentucky from being really good and elite this year is Devin Askew and, and Davion Mintz. And but those two are doing enough, and I do think it will be Askew. I think Askew is going to take charge of that point guard spot, but I do think that both of them collectively is good enough, Derek, to uh, you know propel this team into a Final Four contender by the time that they need to be a Final Four contender. They don't have to be a Final Four contender in November and December. 
It's just, are they there February, March? And I think that the point guard play will be what comes along and improves the most over the course of the year. Who do you see being the leading scorer this year? I was going to say B.J. Boston, but I actually think it's going to be Terrence Clark because I think Terrence is going to play with the ball in his hands a lot late in games, and I think he's going to get a lot of paint touches and get the ball to the paint. Uh, and I do think that Clark actually shoots it a lot better than a lot of people think he does. So I, I'm going to go Terrence Clark. But as far as but th- that's the thing, like they're going to have nights where it's B.J. Boston going for 20, Clark going for 20. It's going to be like the, the Fox Monk team, in my opinion, where you're going to have two guards that probably could score 30 on you any given night. What are some other superlatives we can do? Uh, leading score, leading assist is almost typically for sure a point guard a lot of times. But yeah. leading assist, guys, that's what I was going to go with. Yeah. Terrence Clark will lead them in assist too. I think they're going to. This offense will run through Clark when it gets into key moments of the game. And, and, I, and that's why I, like I think the idea of having a guy like Askew, who's a good shooter off the ball, though, like you well, can keep him. And maybe Mensis too, but I would think Askew the way they were talking about in preseason. The way he can shoot off the ball, there's a role there for him. Well, here's what happened to the 2018 team with Quade Green. Shea Alexander came in, took over the point guard spot. He was ball dominant. Uh, the offense and the team got better with the ball in his hands. Quade was so small, and he was a defensive liability, that if he wasn't hitting threes, you couldn't play him. And then Hami was a no factor from three-point range. So that team never reached their potential because they didn't have enough shooters around them. This team does not have that problem, Derek, because Terrence Clark's going to take over the ball, and you can slide ask you to the two, and he's going to kill you. If if you help off him, he's going to burn you. Like that's the thing that makes this team so good. Plus, he is going to be a really good defender. That's why I think that this team will operate when it gets to the eight minute mark. That that TV timeout under eight, I think you will see Terrence Clark move to the point in close games. And they will grind you out in the half court. I think this is the type of team that will run a very good half court offense. Uh, they have future pros, Derek, that can win some one-on-ones and setting some things up like that. And I think that they're literally just going to play through their guards. And then you've got Sar and Jackson, you know, just finishing lobs if they help off on the back end. I, I'm, as, as a coaching side of this, I'm really like foaming at the mouth to watch this team play. They could get so long at the end of games. If you had Clark, it's, they take Asker Mintz off the floor and put Keon in. You, everybody on the floor could be six six or taller out there and long. I mean, it, he's had a lot of options this year for sure uh, with things he can do. And I know we're both excited for it to start. Um, I am. Things that start on time, it's not that much longer, just a few more weeks. But, yeah, like you said, uh, re- remind us what day that is with the, the pro day that they're doing. Uh, pro day, isn't that Thursday night at 7 o'clock, the 12th? Is that Honestly, correct? No, that's what I was asking you. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Hold on, while uh, I go look this in email, because I'm not going to be able to watch it live. I'm going to have to watch it on uh, on replay because I think it starts at seven o'clock on the twelfth on the SEC Network, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if you can yep, find yep, that, right. yeah, and then is is Madness the twentieth? Is that right, or am I wrong on that? Yeah, November twentieth at nine p.m. All right, and it's for, that's also for the women's team as well. So, it is, and and that's a team too that we're probably going to do some some talking about on this show too, Derek. I think that's a team that's going to be very good this year, is the women's team, and they have star power too, and Ron Howard and some other people. So uh, it's definitely the thing that I'm more excited about basketball now because we're going to get to watch it multiple nights. That's why I like it during the season. Is you you kind of 
if you have a poor performance on Saturday, you get you have to be over it by Tuesday because you've got to play again. And that that's what I'm looking forward to is just sitting down and diving into this and those post game shows during this college basketball season. I'm going to give a lot of takes and I'm going to give a lot of intel and stuff on what I'm seeing because uh, that that this is the side of the podcast where my mind really operates is the basketball side of things. Yeah, we'll let you carry that for the most part. Of course, I'll I'll be watching and writing. Uh, <laughs> on every game as well but uh sean i just we've almost officially reached the overlap though which would have happened three weeks ago in a normal season but maybe that's why i'm tired maybe that's why i'm tired because we would typically have those weekends where we'd have basketball and football together and maybe well, just it's my... about yeah just thinking about our week coming up friday looks like it's going to be a huge show with the mailbag picking games but also we'll be discussing what happened in the pro day so might end up being two episodes that day yeah so, but yeah, and we apologize once again for last week. Uh, you did get three episodes. It's not a typical week for us, but that that won't be the problem this week. Things have slowed down on my end, and uh, I mean we're ready to talk about all this this week. But Derek, if you don't have anything else to add, we'll wrap this thing up. This has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. And we'll catch you tomorrow.